What do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze? Sorry. This song's been in my head a lot lately. <laughs> Now, for our feature presentation. What's your favorite movie? It's a question that we've been examining over the last few videos. And today we're going to look back at that again. We've talked about how it can come from a genre or just a personal, a personal attachment from your childhood. Um, maybe it's something that is your favorite movie because it's a really good movie your favorite director made. And that's how Tyson came upon his favorite movie. Which is? Blade Runner! Final cut. Was, uh, Blade Runner's original release was 1982. Uh, however, the final cut was uh, in 2007. This is when they finished uh, putting it together. How many cuts of Blade Runner are there? A few. I know there's, there's at least three. Mm. The original theatrical, then it, then an extended in 92, and this one in 2007. Mm -hmm. So at least three cuts of this movie. Yeah. Real passion, real passion project for Ridley Scott. Something he mm. really wanted to have made. Yeah, it was the same as uh, Legend. You know, where uh, they had to put out something that didn't immediately connect with audiences. Yeah. Um, so he ended up uh, redoing it, um, kind of, in a way. Uh, just getting to the product that he's happy with. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, with the final cut, he uh, made something really good. I haven't seen the original theatrical cut. Uh, I've talked to you about it and how you've described it. It actually does seem like an interesting movie. But I definitely could tell... Um, from watching the final cut that it was something where if you can kind of draw it out and tell the whole story through the movie without trying to chop it way down, um, it's definitely a fleshed out story that makes a lot of sense. Whereas from what it sounds like in the theatrical cut is it's exposition line after exposition line. It's a lot of VO work that is all exposition basically. Is that pretty, uh, pretty true? Yeah, basically, it's just, like, a lot of uh, background that's being told, too. Um, and uh, Harrison Ford has said that he didn't like doing the voiceover work uh, for the narration. Um, and you can kind of tell. I mean, it's, it's not that good, you know? <laughs> I can see why I didn't immediately you know, take off and connect with audiences and theaters and, um, but, uh, they did, uh, do it justice with this release at least. Oh, with it having different cuts, have you seen any of the other cuts or have you only seen the final cut? Uh, I've seen the, uh, original theatrical release and I've seen, uh, the final cut, obviously. So with the original theatrical release, would that be something you would consider... If the final cut had never existed, the the extended cut had never never existed. Just the original theatrical release came out. Would that be something you'd still consider like a favorite like tier movie? Um, for the visuals, yeah, I'd still be up there. Probably still be in my top ten, but uh, it wouldn't be my favorite movie by okay. far. I think uh, Evil Dead or Alien would be my favorite movie at this point. So, so Ridley Scott is obviously a director that's really well-known in the fan in the sci-fi genre. Mm -hmm. um, he's obviously done the Blade Runner, um, Alien movies, Prometheus. Mm -hmm. um, he did The Martian. The Martian. Yeah, the more recent movie. I think that before Blade Runner, I think that was like the first Ridley Scott movie I, that I saw was The Martian. Yeah. Yeah. So he definitely dabbles in the, the sci-fi world pretty uh, pretty effectively. Mm -hmm. He's made a lot of very popular movies. Sci-fi, yeah. sci-fi horror, things like that. Yeah, he also has done um, movies like The Duelists, which I believe is kind of a western. Uh, and he also did Legend, which is yeah, a obviously. pure fantasy movie. Legend is very much a fantasy movie. Uh, yeah, also one of my top five favorite movies. So. 
Legend of the Devil movie, right? Yeah. Not the other Legend. Not the Tom one Hardy. I want to see. Yeah. With Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy. And 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 Tom Hardy. Really? No, it's just two. It's just <laughs> okay. the, he's just twins. But yeah, no, not that one. The Tom Cruise Devil. Tom Cruise, Tim Curry, Tim Curry, Sarah. And then, obviously, Harrison Ford is the the lead of the movie, and he definitely has some familiarity <laughs> in the genre of sci-fi as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no, really. What kind of Star experience? Wars? Have you have you heard of Star really? Wars? <laughs> Who does he play in Star Wars? Um, what is it? Hand Hand Sulo? Oh, I think okay, I, I think I remember that. He plays Mr. Sulu. Miss That's right. Yeah, Mr. Okay. Sulu. So, he's got some familiarity. I think I think he was in like seven or eight Star Wars movies. I So just a few. Can't really keep track. Okay. Of of that stuff. No, obviously, uh, Harrison Ford played on Solo in in the Star Wars original trilogy and uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Cowboys vs. Aliens, which probably has some sci-fi undertones to it. You couldn't mm-hmm. pay me to watch the movie. But, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's probably got some sci-fi-ishness to it with there being aliens. It was kind yeah, of silly. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like a Western and sci-fi crossovers. Which was, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'd watch it. I just I just want to seem edgy on the podcast. That's okay. I'm not a fan of Daniel Craig, and I liked it. So. I have no opinion of Daniel, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel. He was also Indiana Jones. Yeah. Going back to Harrison Ford. Yes. Yep. Truth. Truth. Truth story. His three iconic roles, Han Solo and uh, Deckard and Indiana Jones. So... About 50% of the time while we were watching the film, I thought his name was Dicker, which is either an unfortunate name or just a great name, depending on how you want to look at it. Because um, sometimes I would hear Deckard, but other times I'd be like, Dicker? Yeah, just the way Sipra? I think some of the some of his co-stars uh, kind of pronounced it. Yeah. So I just gave it kind of a weird, yeah. uh, weird sound. He was... Younger, I haven't watched the original trilogy of the Star Wars in a while, mm. but he was a lot younger in this movie that I've watched recently, like this movie, and it made me realize how much of he, he was kind of a goober as a younger actor. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. as like serious. He wasn't as just like I, I don't know what the difference is, but he was just kind of silly in this one. Well, there was that scene where he's getting ready to apprehend. Is that the first replicant? Yeah, Zora. Yeah. And he makes that face, and I said to you that I thought he looked almost exactly like Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was definitely interesting to see. Yeah, he did a good uh, voice in that, and it was well played. Yeah. But... Um, yeah. yeah, Harrison Ford's a talented, talented individual. Um, probably the luckiest of the Star Wars family. I mean, you could make the argument for Mark Hamill because... He kept getting like voice acting work, but yeah, he is the voice of Joker. Yeah. So, but I mean, um, Harrison Ford got actual movies that yeah. weren't Star Wars movies, yeah. and that's not to discredit voice acting work because I think I've said on this podcast that if I was to do some form of acting, I'd want it to be voice acting because mm-hmm. you can still go out in public and do things. Obviously, he couldn't because yeah. he's still Luke, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> Harrison Ford was still able to act in other major roles. Mm-hmm. It's like Harry Potter, um, excuse me, Daniel Radcliffe getting cast as James Bond. Like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But he went from Han Solo to and Han Solo, Decker, and Indy, like, all in the same career. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, respect to uh, Harrison Ford there. Um, an actor... Um, who I've heard the name, but couldn't put a face to it, couldn't really put even a movie to the name. Rugger Hauer, um, would say he probably plays the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. Dude's a straight genius. Um, it's so electric. Yeah, dude. Rugger Hauer is uh, one of my favorite uh, actors, um, just to watch him act. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this is his role that he's most well known for. Yeah. 
Um, but he's done, I believe, like a bunch of theater stuff. Uh, and he's also in a couple kind of uh, lower budget movies, you know, like um, Flesh and Blood and uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, we looked at his uh, credits and it was a bunch of like, like very obscure titles from, yeah. from what I remember. I can see yeah. theater work though, because he's so like commanding in yeah. like yeah. the... I didn't know that until you just brought it up, but I was saying the same thing you were. It's... Yeah, it, he's very commanding and it was very electric in the parts he was in. It's like... Yeah, like yeah. we just we just gushed about Harrison's Ford ability as an actor, and I really think in that final scene, um, Rucker Howard made Harrison Ford disappear. I really feel like Rucker Howard owned that scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, seems to be an underrated actor, someone who didn't get the credit he deserved, or maybe some other roles that he could have played. But yeah, so um, other supporting actors are uh, Daryl Hannah. Um, it's probably best known for like this movie and her role in the Kill Bill movies. Um, pretty good actress. Uh, Brian James, uh, who's in a lot of cheesy like sci-fi and fantasy movies. Um, like he was in uh, Steel Dawn with Patrick Swayze, and uh, he was in uh, The Fifth Element. Um, I like The Fifth Element. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Edward James Almos. I mean, he's pretty, uh, I want to say recognizable actor. Jacob James Almos? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's in a, he's in a bunch of stuff. He actually reprised his role as Gaff in, um, Blade Runner 2049, which I still haven't seen. Me but, neither. Yeah, we're going to have to watch that. Uh, and Sean Young, who, um, was in Ace Ventura as, uh, the... Commissioner Chick of the police. Oh, Almost really? Ray Finkel. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Einhorn is yeah. Finkel. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. You know what? Maybe you should leave. <laughs> Just over there like, I haven't seen one of the finest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So Harrison Ford plays a retired Blade Runner. So obviously the title of the film uh, is Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So Blade Runner is someone... Some police. Yeah, it's specifically a bounty hunter that bounty tracks hunter is down the best way to put it. Rogue okay. replicants. Okay, that's what, kind of what I was trying to get to. I wasn't sure if it was like a police department official or, or kind of where he landed. But yeah, it's a bounty hunter that goes after um, replicants that have just come to Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because they're illegal on Earth. Yeah. Um. So he's retired. And he's just kind of living his life. And he gets called into the office where he used to work. And the big boss man basically threatens him into resuming his role as a Blade Runner to catch these four replicants that have jumped ship and have come to Earth. It was originally like six or eight of them, though, wasn't it? It was six. 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 And two of them got killed uh, coming through security. And that's in the book that the movie is kind of based on, right? The yeah. Do Android yeah. Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. Yeah. They do mention them in the movie, too. Oh, they do mention them in yeah. the movie? Okay. And so he goes from there just kind of getting his blade running feet underneath him again. That sounded silly. <laughs> uh, he is an amputee Olympian. Spoiler alert. Because that's what they call the, they call them blades. Okay. Yeah, that was, yeah. That's why that joke was a joke and not <laughs> yeah, something that made no sense. Yeah, it went over my head because I, okay. Yeah. The, the specialty feat for amputee Olympians is, are called blades. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So why exactly does he get sent to Tyrell? Is it just to test he the, 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 was it the void comp test? So yeah, the, the void comp test. Void. So yeah. is that why, so why exactly does he go to Tyrell? They think that the replicants are going to find Tyrell. That's why they came to Earth, was yeah, to go see Tyrell. Yeah, that's where the two that died of the original six, that's where they died. Oh, okay. Because they were trying to break into Tyrell court. And so, then, okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they know that they were going after Tyrell, which is why he went there to see, to question him on why they would be coming to see him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that's kind of where he gets in. Is that where they get into the replicants having the four-year lifespan, or is that... Before that as well. That's before yeah, that as well. Yeah, okay. The commissioner was yeah, talking. I, about. I remember that now. Um, 
So the first replicant that gets the Voight comp test at like the beginning of the movie, um, was he just like kind of obviously he's a replicant. Was he caught with the other two or were they just investigating other people after they caught the other two? Um, I think they were just investigating, uh, new workers. Okay. Um, cause it's kind of suspicious. Yeah. Okay. And that's and, where Leon got ID'd. Yeah. Obviously Leon kills the... Uh, well, it doesn't kill him, but it seriously injures him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Leon seriously injures the other Blade Runner that was assigned to the case. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they have to kick it to Harrison Ford. Correct. Okay. So he goes to interview t- the... is. Tyrell is yes. his name too, right? Tyrell Court. Yeah. Well, I know it's Tyrell Court, but Apple's not run by John Apple. It's <laughs> it's run by Tim Cook. So I, things can regimes change. Well, you can cook with apples. <laughs> oh. Fair point. How about the fact that Microsoft's not run by Bill Gates? It's run by some short person. Uh, micro. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he also looks chubby, so soft. Yep. Fuck. So, <laughs> so when he goes to visit Tyrell, um, he performs a Voight comp. A Voight comp. Okay, I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. So when he goes to visit Tyrell, he performs a Voight comp. Fuck. Explain what Voight comp is. Voight comp. Not Voight. Voight. Like John Voight, but spelled differently, right? It's actually spelled, I think, exactly the same. I thought there was a U in John Voight and not a U in Voight Kampf. No, I think it's V-O-I-G-H-T. All right. It's Voight, jackass. <laughs> God, you should... That's so perfect. Because I can't <laughs> say Voight. Um, yeah, we probably should explain what a Voight, Voight Kampf test is. Is void contest. VK. Yeah. You can just say the replicant identifying test. But yeah, we should have Tyson explain what a what the VK test is. Yeah, void conf test is uh, to uh, test a replicant's um, empathy or a person's empathy to tell if they're a replicant or not, um, and it's based off of uh, Turing's imitation game. Um, that's pretty much it. So, while he's there, in kind of interrogating Tyrell, Tyrell asks about the the VK test and has him kind of show him one. Mm-hmm. Okay. You wanted to see if Rachel would pass. Yeah. Yeah. Which, after a very long series of questions, longer than any other. Uh, Test, uh, Deckard still finds that she is indeed a replicant. Yeah. So Tyrell Corp is getting closer to making android uh, replicants that can pass um, through brain implants is what I heard. Is that correct? Yeah, memory implants. Memory implants. Um, because... Okay, yeah, that's right. Because yeah, that's they... what he's saying to her at his apartment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They don't have enough time... With their shortened lifespan, they don't have enough time to build up, like, emotional um, cushions and stuff like yeah. that. So, uh, they give them memories, which makes it so they're not so um, violent emotionally, okay. basically. I'm going to sound like a real idiot who didn't watch the movie when this one comes up. Well, mm. this week was hard on movies, because you fell asleep the first time we watched this movie, and I fell asleep when we were watching Deadpool. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to rewatch it because it was my like fifth time watching it, but it was it was a rough week. Yeah. So he tests Rachel. Tests Rachel. Rachel fails. He goes on. Uh, that's when he goes after. Uh, I already forgot her name. Zora. Zora. Well, he went to the apartment of the guy at the beginning of the movie. What was his name? Leon. Leon. He went yeah. to Leon's apartment because he mentions his apartment in the interview. Mm-hmm. The so, hotel he's staying at? Yeah. Yeah. His, okay. His address. So he uh, mentions yeah. his address, so he goes there, and that's where he finds the snake scales. Yeah, and the picture. Oh, that's picture, what that was. Snake scales. Yeah. So he's doing all of that on the super-duper special magical computer that 
can turn a picture of something into a completely different picture of something else. Yes. Through enhancing and zooming. So that's what that was. That wasn't his place. See, I completely misread that scene. I didn't realize that that was Leon's apartment. Yeah. So he goes to Leon's apartment, finds the picture, gets the lead on the snake scales, and that's when he goes after, did you say Zora? Zora, yeah. I don't know the name. <laughs> I've got two names out of four rememberized. Yeah. So he goes to the bar, the club, and he finds Zora. Uh, and he uh, goes undercover <laughs> momentarily uh, to um, basically interrogate Zora a little bit. Um, but Zora immediately knows something's up. And attacks Deckard. Uh, and then makes a run for it. And the chase scene happens. It's a pretty good chase scene, too. It is. It's quite good. Pretty intense. Um, even though it's through, like, a crowded city. Yeah. Uh, we should mention what she's wearing Yeah. in this chase scene. Because it, to me, kind of comes up at the end. Yeah. Um, it's... It's very 2018. It's a raincoat, <laughs> essentially, but it's completely clear. It's completely see-through. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the chase scene is going on, and it ends kind of how you would expect it to end, with her taking a couple rounds and being... Retired. Retired. That's the word. Thank you. Yep. Um, Successfully retired. And I just thought the... Uh, Maybe this is a little weird, but like the way the raincoat looked with all the blood on it was like kinda splattered neat. on the inside. Yeah, was kind of neat. Yeah. Maybe I'm a psychopath. Maybe I'm a little bit weird, but no, I thought it looked neat. We'll talk about this uh, a little bit later, but there's a lot of really good um, artistic choices for both costume design and set design um, and props. Uh, but we'll definitely get into that after plot. So it goes through to find. All of the uh, replicants. Yeah. And begins a personal relationship with the replicant, Rachel. Mm-hmm. After uh, very much battling his own emotions, uh, he ends up falling in love with Rachel. So. Well, there's nothing to say that all replicants are bad, right? No. Like, it's just a precaution that yeah. makes them not allowed on earth and makes them have a four-year lifespan but there's not been like a big like replicant outbreak where they started a war against well there was an uprising on like a ship somewhere right that's what made them illegal was some sort of uprising yeah so it made them illegal on earth but they're still being made elsewhere Okay, but so there is a reason. It's not just like yeah. a safety precaution. It's like a reactionary policy. Yeah. Okay. Because they're being used as slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it mm-hmm. stands to reason. I think the like the funniest part about doing this movie now is just that you and I have started watching playthrough of Detroit Become Human, and it's got very similar themes. Mm-hmm. Um, not very similar themes, but one theme that they both share is pretty similar but i when i'm watching detroit become human it seems much more like irobody to me well no because irobot is all like one like the central ai going rogue yeah but and this it's still individual androids going but anyway that's not related at all (laughs) But yeah, he ends up, uh, yeah. Uh, he ends up finding his way to, uh, J.F. Sebastian's apartment, um, where Roy and Pris had been staying. You know, this is after, uh, spoilers, Roy kills Tyrell and J.F. Um, so Deckard goes to their apartment. Kills Press and then the uh, creepy ass apartment too. Yeah, the uh, pretty iconic final chase and battle scene with Roy Batty and Deckard happens. Um, then ends with uh, Roy saving Deckard's life. Uh, 
could have just let him fall. Mm-hmm. But his final act was uh, saving his life. So he's trying mm-hmm. to like explain himself mm-hmm. and get his story across before he died, because he was he was going through the whole chase scene, but he was still so animated. Yep. And I mean, obviously, if Roy hadn't saved uh, Decker's life, Decker would have died and not ended up with Rachel. But also there's like a part of me where it seems like that moment of doing the right thing, um, just showing that these replicants aren't, don't have evil intentions. The only reason they're doing what they're doing is to live longer and to experience their life. Mm-hmm. Um, holy shit, what was I saying? Um, last moment of doing the right thing, showing that they... Oh yeah, so life. in this last moment, wow, I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> So in this last moment of him doing the right thing, I think that is what gave the clarity um, to Decker, or I wonder, I should say, if that's what gave the the clarity to Decker that it was okay for him to have this relationship with Rachel the Replicant. Because obviously he spent his whole life as a Blade Runner hunting down rogue replicants. Mm -hmm. Retiring rogue replicants. Yeah, hunting down and retiring them. (laughs) <laughs> but he still made the decision at the end to spend the little time that she does have with like, with her. Yeah. And I wonder if part of that was sparked by seeing that replicants aren't bad. Not that he necessarily would have thought that anyway, but yeah. um, just seeing that they can do the right thing. Beautiful movie. Very beautiful movie. It's uh, 1982, so... It looks, I don't want to say cheesy because that's not the right word. The The way they make the visuals in 1982 isn't how they would do it now. Yeah, but it's, it would be all CGI now. But I actually no. prefer is not the right word just because I do notice it. Appreciate? I appreciate it, yeah. Like, because they did a lot with models in this movie, right? Yeah, it was pretty much all models. I love models. Like, they look, they can look pretty bad. But for some reason, I just think doing it with models is so cool. It's kind of like a trick. Pu- it, well, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a trick. It's like it's like a pure thing. It's, there's not computers and all this nonsense. It's like there's an artwork to yeah. it. There's art yeah. to it, yeah. making yeah. it seem realistic, making it seem like this giant thing when it's just like yeah. little models. Yeah. yeah, I so I really appreciate things like that. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite aspects about this movie, and movies like it, especially in the sci-fi genre. Um, uh, pretty much exclusively old sci-fi movies. Uh, it's because it's all models. Like, they didn't have CGI back then, so they had to put in all that small detail and everything, each little piece, mm-hmm. uh, just to get a sense of, uh, like, a futuristic expanse. Of area. Yeah. Big dystopian city that's futuristic and also 80s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, to be honest, a lot of, like, the overly CGI'd movies from today look better. But they're just kind of disappointing. You could, well, the thing is, you can tell they're CGI, whereas if it's done really well in a model... You can't really tell that it's a model. Yeah. Because um, it just looks more realistic because it's actually there. Yeah, it is there. It's just not some huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say that I don't like CGI. Yeah, I, I was just going to well say done. the same thing. I do like CGI as long as it is done done properly. But I just think that there's a... Uh, and we talked about this in the... Uh... Jumaji? No. The Zambi movie. Oh, yeah. Dead Alive. We talked about this in Dead Alive, too, with the puppetry and, like, the handmade models and, like, all of these practical special effects that they used to do in lower... and that they do in low-budget movies and things like that. They don't always look better, but you kind of respect it a little bit more. Yeah. So it still takes talent to punch all those buttons and mold everything in the computer and, and do all the things that they do, but you just kind of... For me, I just kind of respect it more when it's... It's a different art. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, no shade to any good CGI. 
Yeah, I like it all. Um, but yeah, I do exactly. prefer models. Yeah. Uh, however, if CGI is well done, mm-hmm. it's pretty top notch. Exactly. There's some things you just, I mean, like a, a well done CGI is just can be truly beautiful. Mm-hmm. How did they do like the atmospheric work in like some of the pictures that they had for the the scenery in the movie? Because they had it very smoggy in a lot of the pictures that they did. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think they just uh, used like smoke machines and shit like that, and then um, filmed like that. They used some uh, lighting effects because they used light quite a lot um, to um, kind of amplify different parts of the scenery. Uh, instead of, like, some other parts, you know, because most of the movie was pretty dark, mm-hmm. lighting-wise, but... Very dark movie. Yeah, you could tell in, like, every scene there was, like, one part of the scenery that was, like, well-lit with, like, a different colored light or something like that. Uh, I think it was an artistic choice, and I thought it came off really well, personally. I also really liked the... The set design in the toy maker's apartment. I don't know if toy maker's the right word, but... Yeah, J.F. Sebastian. Yeah. Like, it was so eerie. (laughs) And I mean, um, who was that? That was Pris in the apartment. Was that uh, Daryl Hannah? Daryl Hannah, yeah. Um, The way she just kind of blended in with the rest of his creepy fucking toys. (laughs) Um, That whole set piece was... Quite impressive. Probably took a lot of work to put together. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that whole, like, derelict building at the end, I mean, did he say he was the only person that lived there? Is that what he said? Uh, I don't remember. Because it felt like that building was so run down and so just kind of gross. Yeah. And it's like these big cities that are all cramped and stuff, and, like, you don't see another person inside that building other than... Uh, J.F.? J.F. Sebastian. J.F. Sebastian, Pris, um, Roy? Mm-hmm. Can't remember if it was Roy or Ray. <laughs> uh, and Decker. You don't see anyone else in that building. But a lot of the things they do in that, um, with the rain just kind of, and, like, the rain wasting away the walls and the, like I said, the set design in his actual apartment with all the mm-hmm. creepy fucking toys. <laughs> yeah, like, that whole set piece at the end once... I mean, before Decker arrives and they're just showing bits of the apartment, like, is good. But, like, that, the big set piece at the end where they're all going through yeah. different parts of the apartment and then up on the roof and on the windowsills and things like that was really cool and really well done. Yeah. Like, oh, the one part where uh, Decker just climbs up to the ceiling and just climbs through to the next fucking floor. <laughs> yes. Just or because it's so fucking rotted and okay. wet. Or batty just like sticking his face through the wall. <laughs> I felt like it needed a visual aid. He also grabs uh, Deckard's hands through the wall. Yeah. He goes right through the walls. Mm-hmm. Lots in this final scene. It's the final countdown. <laughs> 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 in old sci-fi movies i love seeing their futuristic technology in like the past because they can't they're limited to their current technology to try and portray future technology so like their payphone video phone (laughs) (laughs) it's like pretty close Pretty close, but where do, do you see any payphones? It's just like they're limited, but they're so creative at the same time. It it is really fun when you see, um, at, at not being a, a sci-fi genre fan personally, that is my favorite thing. Yeah, movies that are made in the past that take place in the future, where they have to try to guess what the future is going to look like, mm-hmm. or just want to make like an imaginary story of. Like, not that it's what it's going to be, but, like, of this whole world, what it is. And it's just a lot of 
the visuals and the details are so 80s, but you can tell that they were trying for a different era entirely. She has very 80s eyebrows. And... Yeah. <laughs> well, the 80s style's never going to die. I mean, <laughs> look at how we're all dressed right now. This is quintessential 80s right here. It's got a point. Um, and I was just using my video payphone the other day, so I don't know what you're talking about. Just right up on the corner over there. <laughs> so the movie takes place in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they're coming up on their uh, expiration date. Uh, in the first edition of the book that it's based off of, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, it takes place in the year 1992. Everyone knows that's when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. (laughs) And then in the uh, re-releases of the book, they move it up to 2021. So it's much closer to when the movie takes place. But the book came out in 1968, and he was like, this is what the world's going to be like in 1992. I mean, he wasn't that far off, but... (laughs) You could argue that he was pretty far off. (coughs) One could argue (laughs) I read Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep in high school for one of my English classes. It was a sci-fi specific class, but it was very open to a lot of just like fantasy and stuff like that. Um, it's been so long since I like thought about the book, but then re-watching it, I was like, this is so familiar to me. And there are obviously going to be differences between the book and the movie. Because that's, that's life. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot that was very similar. And I liked reminiscing about that book. It was a good book. It was really sad. I would imagine. Yeah. I'm kind of intrigued on uh, reading it. Nerd. Yeah, the whole <laughs> religious aspect of the book and the big religion that they had in the center of the book is completely taken out of the movie. Now is this a religion for replicants? No. Okay. I was confused. No, it's a martyr-based religion and like what I was saying that they would like schedule times to go feel just like agonizing pain and like existential dread and they would like go schedule this time like part of the religion there's one specific man of this religion that just like does it constantly he gets like stones thrown at him and stuff it's interesting i i don't know if i can explain it correctly i don't think i'd be a good fit for this religion (laughs) (laughs) then again i don't need to schedule time for existential dread that's just my default (laughs) setting so who knows maybe i'd fit in just fine Uh, the music was composed by Vangelis, uh, kind of a modern classical composer, um, but it was very, uh, a lot of synths used in this, alongside, like, orchestras and symphonies and shit like that. Uh, I thought it was very well done. Probably one of my favorite movie soundtracks. Um, I didn't like it personally, but I didn't feel like it was one that was untrue to the tone of the film. I feel like no matter what the soundtrack was, if it was a good fit for the film, or the music was, no matter, you know, if it's a good fit for the film, it's not going to be something that I would enjoy listening to. Because I feel that way about most of the music on sci-fi films. I feel like it's pretty similar to that. Yeah. And it's just not something that... I respect um, Vangelis. I think he does really good work. I just don't like the sound of it. Yeah, it's like kind of a spacey type yeah. sound, which I enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but yep. I was just going to say, I feel like it, it's very fitting to the film, but not something I would opt into listening to in my spare time ever. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't opt into listening to any movie's music. Mm-hmm. Not even Star Wars, and they've got some bangers. There's a few scores I would listen to. I'm not a fan of classical music. So. 
like ninety percent of movie scores. Are very instrumental. For sure. So obnoxious. Uh, my favorite scene. Uh, I really like when uh, Decker does the what comp test on Rachel. That scene is pretty beautifully lit. Um, but I gotta say the uh, final scene where they're up on the roof is probably my favorite. Is, are either of us gonna? choose a scene that's not that scene no 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 i mean <laughs> it was pretty much collectively just that final scene yeah it's after that scene ended like the movie hadn't even ended after and that's so it's just right after that scene as it's going into basically the the final portion of the movie mm-hmm. and i just remember looking at you guys and saying this movie needed more rector howard like <laughs> I, I was absolutely glued to my seat glued to the screen it was very awkward positioning so, um, <laughs> what Dax, Daxton is saying is he needs a movie exclusively Rutger Hauer and Doc Holliday. Yes. <laughs> Rutger Hauer as Roy and Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. He would be set. Yeah, I don't think I need anything else. <laughs> There's going to be another movie you're watching. You're like, there's the third act. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just... We're going to figure out what my what our all star movies are gonna be, and we're gonna get them cast, and we'll you know. Should we do fantasy cast for movies? I am one hundred percent on board with that. Let's do that. That's kind of what I was just thinking like, <laughs> as I was saying. Like that would be great. I used to fantasy cast movies all the time as a kid. We, we can do like seasons of these like movies that we watch, and of those seasons, we pick the characters and do like a fantasy. I don't know. No, I like that. Works. Yeah. So like we'll do like. Well, how would you want to do it? Would you want to do it off of like like can, a five movie cycle? We can talk about this in a sec. Well, it's just a simple question. Would you want to do it off the five movie cycle, or would you want to do something else? You don't I have to say what the other thing is. Just of a season, we'd probably do like two or three cycles. Okay, cool. All right. Um... <laughs> this movie was kind of a slower movie in parts. Very mm-hmm. like. It's very, like, atmosphere and story-oriented. Yeah, it's story-driven. There's a few, like, chase scenes, a lot of action that happens, even in slow scenes. Like, when Roy kills Tyrell, Tyrell, it's a slow-moving scene, even though there's a lot of intense things happening. And the last scene just is so contrast to that, I feel, even with the chase with... uh, Zora. 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 Like, it's just so different. Yeah. And I feel bad because obviously we we did have to watch this twice, which I'm sure does not hurt your feelings. No. But <laughs> I fell asleep. That's no discredit to the movie. I fell asleep because I was exhausted. And then we had to watch it again. And I just, I had such a hard time really getting into the movie. There's only a handful of scenes. You know, Leon's um, interview. Um the chase, the, I'm not saying these in order, obviously, because um, like <laughs> you mentioned, uh, Rachel's test, um, and then that last scene with, uh, or Rachel killing Leon, and then the last scene with Roy and Decker, like those are the only five scenes that I could really tell you. Like, I didn't know that Batty killed Tyrell until we sat down and started talking. I mean, I did, I did, because I watched him do it, and then I was also awake at that point, because I remember the, I remember you screaming at the eyes. So I was awake at that point in the first one, and I remember watching it, because he goes there with the toy maker, and he goes there with uh, Pris. Mm-hmm. But I still couldn't have sat Pris down. Wasn't there. Pris wasn't there. Pris was not there. No, Pris okay. wasn't at Tyrell. Okay, so never mind. He, she, Pris didn't go. But I still couldn't have told you that that scene happened until we sat down and started talking. Like, it's, I remember it, but I don't remember it. Like, like it's not actively something I'm remembering. Do you remember the big frozen room with... John Huang? Chu. Chu. James Hong. James Hong. Yeah, plays uh, Chu. James Hong. Yeah. I Wong, remember... Wong wasn't 
that off from Who is home. vibrating? Me. Oh, okay. I'm vibrating. Hold on. I just want to make sure. Actually, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Commitment. I like it. Yeah, like, I vaguely remember the scene from the first time, and then I sort of remember it from the second time. But I still don't know what they were doing. Like, just interrogating him for information. Mm-hmm. But he just designs the eyes. That's all he does. He just does the eyes. So I do feel bad that I didn't give this movie the attention it deserves. Um, but in those five or six scenes, I was really locked in, and I really liked what I was seeing in those five or six scenes. Yeah. I just had a hard time really locking into the full hour and 57 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I don't I don't fault you for that either, because uh, this movie definitely relies heavily on atmosphere instead of like dialogue or action. Um even though there's a lot of very interesting dialogue. Like you said, you were glued to the screen for those five scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie is very heavy on the atmosphere uh, and just, you know, putting you in the moment, kind of. Uh, and then just the... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I think I get what you're, what you're saying is... Yeah. It, it is something that's like a more immersive movie. It's not just mm-hmm. like um, listen to it in the background or watch for the, the action scenes. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. There are some... And there are some parts where like the story or the action aren't quite as immersive. So if you're not drawn to the atmosphere like it wasn't, it can kind of like lull you out of it. There's some really memorable quotes from this movie as well. Like mm-hmm. the dialogue in some of these scenes are very like, hard-hitting lines that are, like, timed well or whatever it is. Yeah. There's some lines of dialogue that are that stand out. One of... An example, one of my favorites, is after Roy Batty expires, he dies, um, and Decker... Decker. Decker is sitting there, and the other uh, Blade Runner that was helping him with the case... Yeah. Gaff, uh, came up and was talking about Rachel and says, too bad she won't live, but then, uh, but then again, who, who does? does? And that's just, speaks a lot to, like, the theme of the movie and about, like, the value of life and making the most of life. Mm-hmm. So, it's a very well-placed line, I feel. And I feel like we make the most of life by sitting in this hot-ass room and making podcasts. So you should like mm-hmm. these fucking podcasts. Yep. Give us a sub. Yeah. So uh, upon its re- initial release, the budget was $28 million. Uh, however, uh, it only grossed uh, $27 million domestically. That was initial release. This was the release that didn't connect with audiences very much. Mm-hmm. I don't have the figures on, like, the 92 cut or the 2007 final cut, um, but it is definitely an iconic movie. Uh, on... I don't know where I'm going with that. So, I didn't find anything about a theatrical release for the 2007 cut, so I'm not sure that they did one, but they did make another $3 million off of the 92 cut, because they did re-release into theaters in 92. Right. So that was another $3 million. Uh, domestically as well. Um, obviously, with the the box office stats and the budget sets that we usually do, it's a little bit different in this case because we're going off of the a final cut of a movie, so it's it's not even really the same movie at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Blade Runner original theatrical cut did gross twenty uh, seventh in the year nineteen eighty two. So I mean, it's still really not that bad. Yeah, like there was. Still a few hundred movies in 1982, I'm sure. Um, Probably not the big boom in the movie business that there is today, but they were still making a couple hundred movies a year, I would would be willing to bet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was the 14th highest rated R movie. Um, And this was in, obviously, 1982, where I feel like a 1982 rated R movie, for the most part, is very different than a 1982 rated R. Or a 2017, 2018, and beyond R-rated movie, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I wouldn't put this nearly as coarse as like Deadpool or 
spoiler alert, Deadpool we're doing next. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Like a lot of the movies that we watched um, that are R-rated. Yeah. I wouldn't put it in the same plane as those, even though it, it you know, it's violent and it's got some li- language and some nudity. But it's still like... So this... Basically what I'm saying, the 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 gist of what I was saying was that... It's mellow. No. The gist of what I was saying is that in 1982, you, at least to me, you could still take a kid to a R-rated movie in 1982. Yeah. I looked at a lot of those movies on that list, and they're tamer than what I watched as a child. I'd, I obviously don't have the list in front of me, but n- there was nothing that crazy mm-hmm. on that list. I don't watch any rated R movies. You're waiting till marriage? I'm not a sinner. <laughs> well you watch this so <laughs> there's a fucking look on her face <laughs> <laughs> I had to channel my Miranda for a second um so Carly what would you rate the movie and would you recommend it to a a friend or an enemy I think it would have to be a specific friend for me to recommend this movie it's not for everyone I feel but if I have a friend that's shown interest in, like, a sci-fi or fantasy or something that's a little bit of a deeper movie, I would probably recommend this. Like, hey, you should check out Blade Runner, but the final cut. So I would probably give it a 6 out of 10 overall. For myself personally, um, it's just a hard movie for me to connect with. Um that being said, I do think that it's really well done. Uh, I've already said that I think it has five or six scenes that are just great, that absolutely draw you in. Um, honestly, I would recommend it, but it's, it's the same thing that you said. It is something that I'm not just be like, hey, go see Blade Runner. Hey, go see Blade Runner. It's got to be like the, the right people, the, um, the people that have a little bit more interest in deeper films and things like that not just stupid action movies no disrespect mm-hmm. to stupid action movies because <laughs> they have their too, place but yeah um i wouldn't rate the movie just off of how much i liked it because there's so much more to it that that was really well done and that i could still respect so i would also give it a six out of ten just because i'm not a, a sci-fi guy for the most part a lot of the movie like just didn't resonate with me but it's still really well done it's still um like i said those five or six most movies don't have five or six scenes um and though just the work they put in to make this movie look as good as they could in 1982 is phenomenal yeah exactly so Mm -hmm. yeah i would definitely give it a six out of ten as well yeah uh honestly i would recommend this to pretty much everybody i mean whether or not you like slower movies or action-packed movies or uh, dialogue-heavy movies, this movie is still really good. Um, and it could actually, like, inspire you, I guess, to watch other movies like it. You know, movies that are a little bit um, slower. You know what I mean? Um, I thought the movie was uh, pretty goddamn well done. <laughs> Uh, I like the sound, I like the visuals, I like the acting, I like the story, uh, I like the set design, I like pretty much everything about this movie. Uh, and honestly, I would probably give it a 9 out of 10. So. Well, I mean, that's fair. It is your favorite movie, so hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully you would give I it. I mean, yeah, even taking, if I was just rating on it based on my own feelings, it would be a perfect 10 out of yeah. 10. But <laughs> of course. Uh, based on like a critical eye, um, and my own personal enjoyment of the movie, nine out of 10 seems more than fair. Uh, it is a legendary movie, um, is quite good. Like I said, one of Harrison Ford's three iconic roles. Um, and that's for a reason. I mean, cause <laughs> this movie is really good. It does um, a very good job. Yeah. But yeah. Nine out of 10. Fun facts. We got some facts, and they're fun. Fun facts. They're facts, and they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> the scene that we all kind of picked as our favorite scene, the Rutger Hauer monologue, 
was improvised. I believe so. Yeah. yeah um, this is incredible. It it was it was mind blowing. So if that if that one is in fact the case, that is a uh, just more proof that he's a genius. Mm-hmm. That monologue at the end of it, the last line or the last few lines, um, the all these moments line um, is also what he ended up titling his autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. The final shot, so still that scene, the final shot, the final scene was shot just hours before Ridley Scott ended up losing creative control over the movie to the the studio. So, I mean, they still went with that scene, yeah. thankfully, but if he hadn't gotten that shot, that scene shot under that wire, they we might not have seen that scene. Seen that scene. That's crazy. Seen that scene. On the sea. Seen that scene. On the sea. And. Sea shells, but seashore. So. By the seashore. <laughs> did this come out after some of the Indiana Jones movies or one of the Indiana Jones movies or. Um. <laughs> Gotta find that phone you threw. Uh, Raiders came out first, obviously. Um... Crystal Skull came out before this, right? <laughs> uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark did come out in 81. Okay. So, so yeah. then that I can read this one then. So, Harrison Ford really didn't want to wear a hat in this movie. He had just come off of doing um, Raiders. And to avoid wearing a hat, he ended up getting this the haircut that you see in the movie just so that Ridley Scott couldn't put a hat on him. And I guess it really pissed off Ridley Scott, but there wasn't a whole lot he could do. He'd already gotten the haircut. You can't really uncut hair. I mean, you could put him in a wig, but 1982 wig? Yeah. <laughs> be bad, I bet. Um, so I just thought that was funny. He's just like, look, I'm not, I'm Harrison Ford. At this point, I'm a big deal. I'm not wearing a fucking hat. And he cut his hair. He's just like, deal with it. Why can't you put a hat over a haircut? Honestly? No idea. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't make his just, head look weird. He got a, he got a contemporary haircut so he couldn't wear a hat. That was the, that was the, the quote. The fun fact that I read. You know, I don't blame him because he wore a hat throughout the entirety of Indiana Jones. Yeah. So. Little did he know there was a lot more hat wearing to come. Uh-huh. Three more movies worth at least. Yeah. And he wore a hat in Cowboys Resilience too. Don't forget. Never forget. This might sound weird for me to say because I didn't resonate with the film. But I really would have liked to have done this where we watched the original cut. And the final cut. I don't think to watch the the middle extended cut from 92 would be necessary. But just to really see the difference in the two movies, I think that would have been pretty cool. Obviously, you yeah. have, so you could speak to it. But just something where we hadn't seen either cut, I think it would be... It would have been a good... Uh, a fun exercise, too. Yeah. Um, have maybe, seen them have both missed. Maybe I'll get the original theatrical cut, and I'll bring it over and we can watch it. Maybe. If you want. We'll burn this motherfucker down, Pookie. Burn this mother to the ground, Pookie. What? Do you think that they re-released it in 92 because that's the year it takes place in the first book? Possibly. It's also the year that Columbus sailed the ocean blue. 1992? That's when he got to uh, America, (laughs) supposedly, according (laughs) to history books. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm an indictment of our public school systems. Actually, Ridley Scott did direct uh, the Columbus movie. No way, really? Yeah, with, uh, what's his nuts, Gerard Depardieu. I have no fucking idea who that is. (laughs) Okay, Um, find us anywhere. Jekyll Studios, that's anywhere. Check out MySpace, Farmers (laughs) Only, Tinder. J-Date. J-Date, Jekyll Studios, J-E-C-L-L Studios. J- We're on everything. J-E-C-L-L at CompuServe. Yeah. Uh, what is it? A- uh, AOL Instant Messenger? We're on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Find us, you know, just go into Ask Jeeves. USPS, motherfucker. Yeah. Just Jekyll Studios everywhere. Facebook, uh, Friendster. Snapchat. <laughs> that's not true. What's, that's not even a real thing. Uh, who's hot, who's not. Like, all, all of the places. We're, we're on all of them. Uh, Jekyll Studios. We've got our Patreon down below. We've got all the actual links down below. That is Facebook, Instagram, and uh, what's that other one with the bird? The Twitter that you're taking over. <laughs> Find us on Twitter. Um, if you like the video, leave a like, leave a comment, uh, tell us what movies we should watch next. What's your favorite movie? Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, there's obviously plenty of movies out there, but what do you want us to watch? Uh, remember to subscribe. Please share with your friends if you enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, but just tell me what your favorite movie is. I want to know. Yeah, tell tell us why. your favorite movie and we'll shit on it for cam- on camera for you. Why don't you just come over, have some lasagna, we'll watch your movie, we'll go bowling, we'll make a fucking day of it. Let's just let's just have some fun. Are you asking them on a date? Yes, I am. Bring condoms. <laughs> 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 Up next, we are doing Deadpool. Captain yeah. Deadpool. Nah, just Deadpool. That's right. We're going to do Deadpool. <laughs> a collective favorite. We are going to be wearing the same shirts because we're doing it in like just a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And as always, more human than human is our motto. <laughs>